Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to episode 81 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Sam with Bowser Consulting. I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. On today's episode, we pick up the interview with Brian Trier, where we left off from episode 80. You're going to hear some great stuff with Brian and uh, enough from us. Stevie, take it away. Let's uh, change topic a little bit here. Yeah. Since we're talking about innovation and we're talking about uh, the way you can streamline for the stores, what do you feel is the biggest challenge facing the brand today? At store level, like in the four walls? Sure. When I get a chance to meet all the different folks that work in our business, having them understand how important it is, what they're doing isn't just assembling dough, sauce, cheese, and sticking it in an oven. You know, having them just, you know, for a second, step back and think through, why are we doing this? This is someone's meal. This is someone's dinner. This is someone's reward or recognition. This is someone's first birthday party with their friends. This is someone who just got an A at school and their parents are buying them a treat. This is, uh, you know, a donation being given to a bunch of frontline employees who have just worked 14, 15, 17 hours on their feet. If you put yourself in that perspective for just a second and think through when you close that pizza box after cutting it, you're helping someone, you know, enjoy an experience. Are you proud of what you just put in that box? And are you, are you proud of, of, you know, how we assemble it and what we stand for and our values? And if so, then get behind it and, and really make it your thing. And so if you do that, it's not an order number. It's not a phone ringing, right? It's, it's not, it's not a, just another ticket. It's not, ah, oh, man, when are they going to stop? It's wow. These people really love us and we got to do everything we can fulfill that love. And so that's why I go back to that core four. Those four simple things will dramatically reduce the likelihood that someone is getting a dominant experience that we all grew up loving. So what do we have to do to make that happen? And really, it doesn't require a complex mind. You could do this really in a very simplistic format. You over cheesing, let's work on some cheesing for 10 minutes, three different shifts, in 10 minutes, over three shifts, I'll have you cheesing perfectly. By the way, how much cheese goes on a medium pizza? How much cheese goes on a large pizza? And so, you know, when, when I develop all, all the, the kind of different games that I like to play when I'm in stores, and the most recent one is called Double Down, which I'll share with folks, hopefully at Campus Palooza. I think that's where they're going to have me up on stage talking. So, you know, the Double Down challenge is really around the load side and the go side of the kitchen. It plays to both. Are you optimized on both sides of the kitchen? And for years, if you said to someone, hey, let's pull out the stopwatch or how fast do you make a pepperoni? All of a sudden, everyone, what do they do? They move the sauce closer. They get out that next tray. They move things closer to the make line. All of a sudden, it's like they know how to optimize our operations. But go on a Friday night or on a Tuesday afternoon or on a Saturday midday, the sauce is on one side. There's not enough pepperoni in the bin. There's dough that looks like, you know, you wouldn't want to sell that and you wouldn't want to give it away. But yet when I show up with a stopwatch, magically, everybody knows what to do. So it's not a knowledge issue. It's not a skills issue. They clearly know how to make a pizza. 
So how do you overcome that, Drew? Like, how do we get people to fall in love with this brand for the right reasons, not just to sell a widget? You're really selling someone an amazing experience. And remember, maybe for someone, they call every Thursday night, no matter what you give them. But not everybody's like that. And by the way, not everybody eats pizza the way we eat pizza. And we are in pizza all day long. So for us, that's in our blood. Not everybody sees it that way. And so what can we do to really make it great? And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for these little nudges in the right direction. Start with having the right temperature sauce. It's really easy. Start by having, you know, your cheese thawed. Do you not have a process for thawing cheese? Please call me. I can give you five different ways, none of which require you to call your boss and ask for money. All of them are under your nose right now. You know, where is your cheese thawing in your fridge? Is your dough by the front or is it in the back where it's supposed to be? Away from the door. These are these things you walk in and I, I went to a store and I hate to say this, but I walked into a store of someone that I know is a great franchisee and has always led, you know, in the right direction. And yet in one of these stores is an oven that is set at five minutes and you walk in and you could see the belt, you know, you know, that belt, it's just moving along and you're sitting there going by the corner of my eye, I see that thing moving. And when you see it moving so quickly, you're like, that's not one of our high speed ovens. And so I took a look at it and I asked the team member, why would you do this? And he said, oh, you know, we're just really busy and we, we got to move pizza through. I said, well, do you think that if we could make the oven five minutes, we wouldn't have already done that? And he didn't have a response for me. And I just said, you know, I encourage you to think through this. You've made an oven faster, but yet you only have one driver here. There are four pizzas on the rack. So you're basically just moving a pizza through faster for it to sit on the rack. Well, you know, I never thought of it that way, he said to me. And I said, well, I'm, I'm glad I came and I, I gave you that little tidbit of advice. Now, what you do with it is up to you. But if I were you, I put your ovens back to the right temperature because at the end of the day, we're selling food. It's our obligation as a vendor of food to cook it thoroughly and appropriately and serve the customer what they expect. I love that you're talking about the Domino's experience. You know, if we look at every single pizza box that leaves our store, it says if you're not completely satisfied with your Domino's experience, we'll make it right. And I think. We've lost that. And Drew and I talked to one of the A&M supervisors, or actually I think he's a director of ops now, Jeremy Hill. And the thing that Jeremy said to us that just sticks with both Drew and I is we've got to do a better job of humanizing the experience. Yes, absolutely. And there, that doesn't require special equipment. You don't need a learning management platform for that. You don't, you don't need any high-tech gizmos in the store. Um, but what you do need to do is come in one day and say, hey, let's go to your store while it's still closed in the morning. I'll buy breakfast. I'll buy coffee. And let's take apart the back of your store because I think you're suffering because the back of your store is so cluttered, so full of things. Some of these things, I'm sure you don't even know what they are. I'll take them out of your way. Let's go through it. And let's clean it all up. And you tell me what you need to be successful to organize the back such that you count inventory every night as opposed to counting it, well, kind of whenever you like. If you put a little bit of TLC into that, I think you'll get reward for it. And I think people will walk in and go, what's different in here? And it's like, well, yeah, actually now everything has a place and we don't have a pallet of Coke sitting here and we don't have, you know, five cases of whirl, you know, where you kind of sit there, you know, one store I walked into had like three or four cases of napkins. I'm like, well, do you have like a massive school order or something going on? And they're like, no, but napkins don't expire. And that was that. I told the story. Well, you know, there's this thing, it's called money and there's only so much that's in the bank and that thing sitting there, those are expensive pieces of paper, by the way. Oh man, the parchment paper, the amount of parchment paper is, yeah. so our listeners know that, that Sam and I have been out in Salt Lake helping Mike Rompel with, 
with his stores out there for a while. And, and I had the same issues with Coke and parchment paper and napkins. And, and it was kind of fun because the supervisors hit me with the same thing, right? One of the partners was like, it's about cash flow, Drew. It's about cash flow. And I was like, yeah, but your AM doesn't care about cash flow. So I went right to the insanity. Like you're counting these Cokes 75 times. Why are you counting them 75 times? <laughs> like, or worse, that Coke in the back corner still has a picture of Santa Claus on it. Never got like to rotating it's, it. It's oh, there. expired. <laughs> and it's July. And you're like, I think Santa Claus was in December, but I could be wrong. <laughs> it's I, That was the one I got last time when I went to a store, I pulled out in the back of the back of a back and kind of there's the Santa Claus staring right at me. And I'm there. You know, Coke expires, right? It does. And it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. It's- Brutal. It's fun. Those are fun moments. Uh, but you know, like have fun with that. That's just that moment where we're all just sitting there going, hmm. <laughs> well, that's all you can do though, right? Because totally. the stuff's already ordered. So all you can do is try and yeah. try and back them into a place where they realize oh, I shouldn't do that again. But yeah, it's the amount of food in the stores to do the little little fun competitions like that to to bring the awareness, right? Because they only know what they know and they only see what they see, right? It's the um it's the pot roast story, right? If, if it's always been done this way, they don't know any other better way to do it. So I just load up on Coke because that's what the last seven GMs have done. And yes, and no one's ever told me no. Don't be afraid, folks, to get out there and try to do things a little bit differently. Look at your manager office. Some of them are incredible. Some of them you walk in, they have photos of their friends they have photos of the team. They have great little statements on the wall like I have behind me and stuff. They have, um, you know, their sales chart up. Their double down charts are up. They have their targets, or maybe they have like a, the values on the wall. And their desk is really clean, and and the you know the printer has paper. The ink is actually loaded, uh, you know, and and everything has a place. In fact, if I ask them for a calculator or a pen, they know exactly where to go, and they give me one. And then there's these other offices, <laughs> these offices that you walk by and go, this doesn't qualify as an office. This is a cyclone that gone through here. This is a hurricane. This is I you know, what were you thinking? And you're like, Hey, can you find me a STEM thermometer? And they're like, uh, I know we got one around here somewhere. And, and that's that moment where you say, well, if you, as the manager of your store, don't want to make an effort for your own space, what does that say about you to your other people that work for you? And, and don't make excuses here. Don't look at anyone else. Don't be like, well, I just work here. Um, that's your space. Make it your own. I recall in one of the Team USA stores I went to, um, I went in and they were really proud to show me this GM. The supervisor wanted me to meet this GM who knew all their numbers, you know, uh, controlled all their numbers, was incredible, like like reread everything. So I went into the store and I walk in and look around and team members working. There's no one making, there's no noise in the store. The GM is introduced to me and he's showing me on his wall, chart after chart after chart after chart. You look like a statistician. I said to him, I said, well, this is all fabulous. Tell me about your team. And he couldn't. I said, you know, I find it fascinating that you know all of your numbers, but I would find it more fascinating if you could see photos of the Halloween party your team had, the costumes they dressed up in, the last holiday party they went to, the barbecue you brought them to, the team member of the month. You have all the stats. You might as well put a face next to it. Who did that? And this is this reminder that I always say why leadership is important. Leadership is important because you can't do it alone. 
And that's the number one lesson I try to teach people when I'm always asked, you know, why is leadership important? Well, there's a million books on it, but I'll give you the simplest of versions. Leadership's important because you can't do this alone. And if you try, and many try, eventually you burn out. Which, by the way, while you do that, you've just dragged about 12 other people down the hole with you. Because they burn out trying to watch you burn out. That would be my take on, you know, when I walk in and meet people in their, in their stores or restaurants and walk by, and I am looking at everything. By the way, anyone who's never met me before, when they do have me in their stores and I walk in, you know, I'm not there to do an ops assessment, folks. I'm not. I won't walk by something that is critical and not mention it because that's just out of character for me. But I am there to see how you lead because through that and through your actions, your behaviors and what's on the wall, I have a pretty good understanding of how Friday night rocks here or not. You know the saying, you know, you go to a restaurant, you go into the bathroom and you can tell how clean they keep the back of the kitchen by the bathroom. That's very true. Yeah. And, you know, Drew and I both have experience on the ops team. And I used to say, I could tell you within five points what their score would be within two minutes of walking in the store just by the vibe. Yeah. And so that's that's the thing for folks here, the, the younger leaders on this call who maybe it's your first year as a GM. Maybe you were not ready yet for that, but you took it because it was a raise and you got a bonus or you have the potential to get a bonus, but you haven't actually earned one yet. You know, like these are these moments where just reflect on that for a second. Where are you struggling most? And reach out for help. There are so many people that want to help you. There are so many people that can give you just some guidance. And please, the worst thing you can do is bear the weight of all of this on your shoulders by yourself. Really, that is not the reason we are a brand is because you can reach out and, and contact someone else who has the same four walls as you, the same recipes, the same ovens, the same setup. But yet they're successful and you're not. Why? They sell this thing. You know, one of the great things about being a global brand is that, you know, the Domino's pizza world isn't just what's inside your four walls. And I think Drew and I take questions all the time from general managers. And I think you're a great resource to answer this. And they say, what do I have to do to get on that ops assessor job? What do I have to do to be an operations assessment coach? You know, I think our listeners have access to the ops assessment through PyNet and they can get all their questions answered. So while we got you here, if I were a general manager, what kinds of things is Domino's Pizza looking for if I wanted to become an ops assessment coach? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's for me, it's my largest team. I, I lead uh, five different directors here. Our ops assessment team is 26 or 27 team members. So they're my our largest group and we have them dispersed throughout all of the United States. So they're not just based, they're not based here in Ann Arbor. Only, only the lead is based here. Everybody's based pretty much in market. Some of the things to ask yourself first is, well, number one, uh, do you want a, a career on the corporate side of the business or not? Because you know, if you want to be on the franchise side of the business, that's very different than being in the corporation. The second thing is, do you love operations and have you succeeded at overcoming the many challenges that others may face? And so you are able to replicate it every day and be sustainable at it every day. So if the answer is yes and yes, then you're, you're, you're a solid fit for that, at least from the lens of you have the building blocks. And then the next part and the part that I think is, is a kind of a opportunity for many people is the communication skills. You have to be calm. You have to be a great communicator. You have to be willing to have a difficult conversation. You have to be willing to speak up when others will stay quiet. So, and, and remember, respectfully speak up, respectfully 
provide feedback, not in a disrespectful way. Anyone can be brash. It's really easy. We did it when we were kids in high school. You remember everyone, everyone's had an experience, good or bad. So, you know, you were inclined to do that when you were younger, but you weren't a leader then. You were just a follower. Now you're a leader. And so when you go into a store that is not your store uh, and you talk to a team member who is not your employee, you're a guest, but you represent the corporation and you represent the values that we stand for and you represent our team and Frank and Russell and Joe and all these people here who try every day really hard to represent all of you as a franchise group. And so I think if you think yourself as capable in those areas, then that's a great first way to think of it. And then the final thing you need to be comfortable with is travel and time away from home. And that's probably the one that separates, you know, all those who really want to do this from the ones that enjoy it and and find a career path in it. And it's never a long career path. You know, typically for us, it's between two and three years that they stay in that path. But I will tell you that that's the number one path out into being an FBC or a business consultant, being a manager of corporate operations through our supervisory programs, also leading some of our training, going to our innovation lab. All of these, that role feeds into that. I think everything I had the opportunity to do with the brand, you know, I spent six years as an evaluator. And I think it was the most rewarding thing I did because I loved being in stores and, you know, there were stores that didn't want to see you, but for the most part, the stores were glad to see you and, and took coaching really well. To me, the thing you hit on last is the hardest part of the job. And I think what it's what people have to wrap their head around before they think even about the, the first three that you said that were all important. And I think that's the travel In, in my six years with the team that was the thing that washed more people out because people have no idea what business travel is until they do it. Yeah. It sounds really, it sounds like, Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to be on airplanes. I'm going to be traveling around, staying in hotels, eating out every night. Um, folks, we, you know, this is not the Beverly Hills hotel that you're staying at. This is not going to be steak dinners every night served to you and you're not flying first class. Um, you know, so in in fact, (laughs) one could argue these days, no one is flying for any class these days sometimes, but you know, you look out there and it's time away from your family, time away from your home, time away from your, your children. If you have kids, um, you know, so I like to say, you know, those that have yet to have children are just starting off in their, in their world of leaving home. There's a great opportunity for you because you don't have that extra, you know, responsibility at home. Go get that credit now. And then when you get this next level role and you do settle down, you do start to have kids, you will start to buy property or do whatever, live in a place and make your roots. At that point, you will have already earned all of the stripes needed. And to your point, Sam, getting out of your four walls, your store, maybe you have lucky enough to work for a franchisee with multiple stores. Maybe you're really lucky enough to work for a franchisee in multiple states. And maybe you're really lucky enough to have a franchisee that has been around and seen a few things. But not everybody does. Right. And so, so for some people, they just know Domino's as their four walls, their town, or maybe if they're, you know, maybe they're two towns. Domino's is a global brand. I have lived in five different parts of the world. I have worked in 70 different countries, 70. That's I've made pizza in 70 countries. And all for this small little pizza guy who grew up in Montreal in his very first store, gave up engineering and said, I'm going to go make a pizza one day. I find myself always standing in front of audiences as they ask me to be a presenter. And I kind of sit there going, I can't believe I have this job. And it started because I was curious about what else is out there. It can't just be, I make pizza. This is, it's not going to keep me here. 
Um, so I ask and encourage everyone on this call, whether you're studying supply chain or you're studying finance or you have an interest in marketing or your background is IT technology or you're a gamer, whatever it is you are when you're not originally a Domino's person or before you started at Domino's, we have a job for you. And whether it's with us or a franchisee or a master franchisee or our supply chain system, there's no reason if you're passionate about this brand to go anywhere else because we have an amazing opportunity for you. That's probably the part that a lot of people don't get. Yeah, there's so much, so many opportunities. I want to change up, Brian. Sure. Brian, what are you reading? What am I reading? Yeah. On our podcast, we review books. We just got through Patrick Lencioni's uh, Six Types of Working Genius, which we absolutely loved. And um, I know you've gotten into books and, and uh, told your team to read books through the years. So uh, what's one of the books that uh, on your table or on your desk right now? Uh, so I am... Um, the, I'm just looking it up here because I had like three going at one point. I want to make sure I give you the right uh, information. So I, the author's name is Chip Heath and Dan Heath, and it's called Made to Stick. It really talks a lot about different techniques that you can use so that people can, you know, first be attracted to what it is you are doing or selling. And secondly, they can retain that. They can remember it. And he talks a lot about changing hearts and minds in there. So I was really, you know, we at Domino's talk about that a lot. So I thought that was uh, a really good one to to consider um, for for the readers, and it's it, it it goes well with like any of the leadership books you might recommend. I had one that I was reading that's probably not that most exciting, um, but it was about long term investing. And I know that um, <laughs> some people will be like, "Why is you know what what what, what? long term?" So it's called Stocks for the Long Run. It's by a professor by the name of Jeremy Siegel, and he is uh, often on CNBC. And so I do watch CNBC. Um, but I'm at a point in my life where, you know, you kind of say, OK, I don't have that many more years to, to go. I better figure out what I'm going to go do now. What I love about this book is it helped me understand everything about the stock market. Why do stocks go up? Why do they go down? When the governments are on TV telling you there's inflation and they're telling you that they're going to raise the interest rates. So I. I, I uh, was very curious about this author because I've seen him live on TV and I said, well, this guy sounds interesting. So again, um, everybody wants to save money. Nobody I've ever met says, eh, I don't need to worry about money. Um, you know, so why not understand how the game works before you get into the game? Or if you're in the game and you want to, uh, you know, double down and figure out how to be better at it, why not? So those are the, the two that I've been in the middle of reading uh, back and forth. And I'll tell you one that's an easy one. I, this one I finished last month. My wife got me into Audible, so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing yet. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Oh, yeah. And I'll give credit, I'll give credit to Carl, who's on our HR team here. He, uh, he recommended this book. Patrick. Lencioni. Yeah, I can't pronounce that. Um, he, he, yeah, I'm glad you, you guys said it really easily. I, I looked at it and went, I'm going to mess that up. Well, we've reviewed probably four of Patrick's books. We're a huge fan. Ideal Team Player is amazing. Oh. And an easy book, easy book for anyone to read. It's like, you know, the one minute manager, easy book to digest. The principles are very clear. So, yeah, I, I would say the fight, you know, you're struggling with your group, you're struggling with your team or you're a supervisor and you want to learn how to handle multi unit management. You're a franchisee and you're not yet breaking through with your, your folks down below five dysfunctions of a team. You will find some similarities immediately as they start unpacking that book. Yeah. You know, if you like Patrick and the way he tells a story, I would look into any John Gordon book as well. Yeah. Thanks, John Gordon. All right. He is amazing at telling a story. And I would start with the one that we reviewed on the very first episode, which is the energy bus. It's just, it's amazing. 
Um, I will tell you uh, something that I, uh, I got hooked on over the holidays. My wife uh, recommended this to me, Masterclass. Yeah, I've seen that all over the internet. Yeah, they, they had like a big deal going on. And so it was two for one at one point. So my wife uh, got one for Christmas and I got the other one. And I'll tell you, I, I watch TED Talks from time to time. And I'll, I'll obviously very happily listen to Audible books. This masterclass, it goes into so much more than just business. It goes into hobbies. It goes into coffee making. It goes into pottery. It goes into cooking. But these are like signature people talking to you. Big names in that masterclass series. It's a little pricey, but two for one was, was too hard to pass up. We get two of them. So I have to ask, which one did you do? So I just started uh, getting into it. And I have, uh, I, I of course went right to Starbucks. It's fascinating uh, because you get such insight. He talks about his coffee and how his passion for coffee is, you know, what, what got him going. And then immediately he tell it goes from that, you know, like, here's how I interview people and here, here's what I'm looking for in an interview. And, you know, I've worked for really good, strong leaders and uh, it's, I've never worked outside of Domino's. And so it was uh, nice to see what goes on in the mind of someone else who runs a massive, you know, billion dollar publicly, you know, public brand around the world. And so um, so that'd be the first one. And I, I haven't really fully explored more because I'm still, like I said, getting into audible, but I can tell you, my wife does a lot of great baking now. Let me tell you. <laughs> That's awesome. If you do like baking, I mean, I'll tell, she goes for hours watching this stuff. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So Howard Schultz, uh, definitely interesting. And there's a lot of big names on there, but I would tell you that this will help you just listening to what they're saying tune into, you know, those, those subtleties that they talk about, because they're very, very true in many things that you're going to go do in your life. We tend to be very dominoes all the time, right? Like dominoes, everything all day long, 24 hours a day, we can run a 24 hour a day dominoes channel and people would listen to it all over the world. And there's a lot to learn from us and our, our generations, but there's also an amazing world out there that folks, I would encourage you to go explore and then apply it. Yeah. I think if somebody would have told me that 30 years ago, I would have been much better off because I am all dominoes all the time. And as Drew and I are doing these books and we're hearing from these outside sources, I find myself getting better and better at dominoes because of the outside influences. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know. It's just amazing. I told someone many years ago, I think it was like 2001 or two. Uh, I said to them, hey, I'm going to go to this thing called the Pizza Expo. Have you ever heard of it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a bunch of guys getting around talking about pizza. Well, we're Domino's. We do all that stuff all day long. So it's a waste of your time. And that's what they told me. Back then, the Pizza Expo had two. Actually, they had three shows, a New York show, a Chicago show, and a, of course, the Vegas show. They canceled the New York one, and they were doing the one on Navy Pier out in Chicago. So I flew from Montreal there, and I'm still young in my time here at Domino's. And I, I went through, and I went to their first seminar. I bought like, you know, three days. So I was there for one seminar and I met another seminar, another seminar, no one from Domino's, just me. And I, people would ask me, what restaurant do you own? I'm like, you may have heard of it, a little company called Domino's. And they kind of laugh. They go, you mean Domino's like Domino's pizza? I'm like, yeah, but in Canada, we call it Domino's because we're French. So they laugh. And uh, I went through and I'll tell you the best three days I ever had in my life. I learned so many things from such incredible speakers of course, I've never been offered more free barbecue sauce in my entire life before by going through one of the expos, but nonetheless, I was still a lot thinner back then. So I could afford the barbecue sauce for free. But I, I came home and I remember pulling the franchisee aside. I said, that was the best investment in my time I've ever had. And I didn't know nothing yet. I was still a young kid. But this is this, like, if I had followed the advice of the person who thought that Domino's knew everything, I would have never gone there. I would have never explored more opportunity. 
I wouldn't have met some great guest speakers that I have since used in other parts of the world, their material. And I'll tell you, go and do it. Go and explore. Go to the Restaurant Association show. Go to um, you know, the technology show. Go to a great leadership speaking conference, uh, ATD. I know, you know, Drew and, and others are master, you know, trainers. If you really have someone who's passionate about those fields, why wouldn't you invest in them to go to it? They will come back to you and they will be so thankful. And more importantly, they will influence the people on your team in a new way. Well, hopefully someone for your team's going to ATD because I'm actually leading one of the workshops this, this upcoming conference. Yeah, we send three to five or three to seven people every year. I'll high five them on Tuesday. That's a great one for those listening who have a passion for training, a passion for developing their people skills. And again, you don't have to be a te- you're not, I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm not trying to be a trainer. Just try to be a better person. This will help. Yeah, it's got so much stuff. Brian, I want to thank you. We've reached the uh, end of our time. So I want to thank you so much for giving an hour of your time to us to, to talk to us about innovation and about the way you see the brand. Thanks so much for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. Uh, and I really appreciate this, guys. It's nice catching up with Brian again. Fun side story for our listeners. The last time he and I saw you, other was on a flight to the worldwide rally where we were seated in the same row together yeah i remember that i was on that flight too i forgot all about that i know and i looked up there and saw you right next to him that was great it's just the way it's such a small world sometimes sam do you happen to have a funny brian trier story as well yeah you know the day after we recorded this interview with brian actually two days after um he and i got together and we rode our bikes in uh island lake state park uh, through the snow on our fat tire bikes. So that was a good time. He's um, he's a good cat. Had a good time. That is absolutely awesome. I have a before, you have an after. And that's why one of us does the, the before interview and the other does the after the interview. See, life, it's full of circles. This has been episode 81 of Drew and Sam Talk Train. I am Sam with Bowser Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Like us, follow us, subscribe, and listen to more hilarity if you would, please. In the meantime, make sure you go out there and sell more pizza and have more fun. Bye-bye. Woo, see ya.